Music provided by Armstrong. Visit armstrongofficial.com to hear more badass music. Welcome to the TriCast Gaming Podcast. Greetings and welcome everyone to episode number 92 of the TriCast Gaming Podcast. I am your host, Philip Grimlockini, and I am joined tonight by Mike Roguebox Martinez. <laughs> Mike, it's just you and me tonight, but that's okay. I always enjoy your company. How are you doing today? Uh, pretty good. I was. It was kind of. I was kind of sad because I was like, it's going to be actually three of us this time, actually complete the Triforce that is our podcast, and uh, didn't happen again. So, yeah, we just we have not had the Triforce for a long time. It feels like, and uh, Jason was supposed to be here tonight, um, but uh, some Bobcat chewed its way through their internet. Line. You know what's funny is when he said Bobcat, like I literally thought a Bobcat. I'm like, oh shit, that must have been a big ass bobcat. And then I realized I am an idiot. It's a uh, machinery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody is doing work in their little neighborhood or something, and uh, they have they have done in the internet line. So yeah. for the time being, he is without access to the outside world. Unfortunately for him. Yeah. But um, I don't know, uh, Mike. How have you been this week? It's uh, it's been so we had Easter this past Sunday, right? So, um, I, hopefully, you had a little bit of a little bit of family time, uh, maybe for the holiday. I don't know if your family celebrates Easter or not, but uh, you know, it's usually an excuse to get in there and get together for a meal. They do celebrate Easter. I'm going to be honest with you; I did not realize it was last weekend. <laughs> like I went to work on Sunday. <laughs> wow! I like. Oh, oh my God! Like, Jesus is risen and Mike is I'm I'm counting parts yeah had no idea yeah no it's it's all good it's all good uh well we got together and uh went down to Waco to visit with my mom and dad and uh, my little brother and his girlfriend Jessica actually came they drove from Georgia and they were staying for the week as well so stayed down there for a few days and had a nice little visit um and so, you know, that was kind of what I've been up to all week. I finally went back to work for the first time this week today. Um, so, yeah, been pretty pretty chill vacation week for me, Mike. Um, nice. I can't complain. Nice. Yeah, I have not had that luxury. I'm not going to have that luxury until, like, shoot, probably, like, later on in the fall. But we have we had one guy. Get, we have – this red? There's five. He's counting off his people. There's five guys working. That's like that. We do all the same thing. So like, I have five coworkers or four coworkers, including me. And one of them took a two month leave of absence for a knee surgery. Uh, recently, like last week, somebody, uh, their wife was induced in labor, so he's off for I think the full six weeks of paternity leave, and then. Another coworker is going to be going to. He's going on a two-week vacation, so it's just going to be two of us, and we have two locations. So I'll be covering one, and he'll be covering another. So I'm going to be hurting for the next uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, it sounds like you need to put in some vacation time for right when that dude's uh, paternity leave ends. Oh yes, You're certainly. Like, he checks in, you check out. Yeah, that's pretty much how it's going to go. <laughs> And my boss is already telling me, please don't burn yourself out. I don't want you to quit. Like, I'm not going to do that. But I don't think yeah. I'm going to have a choice in like, it anyway. But 
Um, not, it's not too busy, so it's not really bad right now. I don't know what the future is going to hold, though. Yeah, it's always really important not to uh, burn yourself out at work, and it's good that you have a boss thinking ahead on those things, and uh, you know, make sure you listen to him and, and take a couple days off here and there. Yeah. But um, what I've been uh, sort of in the meantime, I guess, of you know, kind of going on vacation, so I don't, I don't have my games with me, right? Mm-hmm. And so I haven't been playing a whole lot of games this past week, but I have started reading Dune, and I wanted to talk about that for a few minutes. Um, I know we talked about the movie, the recent movie that came out um, a little bit on this show, and I think we all kind of enjoyed it, and that's kind of what spurred me to want to read the book. Now, obviously, I know that Dune as a book series has been around for a long time. It preceded Star Wars, Um, and actually, my dad is a huge fan of the book series and tried to get me to read them in high school. Uh, but I just, I don't know if the concepts of the book were a little too much for me at the time, but for whatever reason, I could never get into it. I always, I have this memory of thinking that the book was too dense for me, which is kind of funny because I read the Lord of the Rings trilogy in high school, which I mean, there's like basically nothing more dense than that. It feels like, (laughs) but that is the memory I have. So I finally, I decided I was going to order it. It's like $10 on Amazon order the book and I started reading it. I'm about, uh, well, so the book itself, it's really interesting. The book itself is actually split into three. They, they call it books, yeah. um, but I don't think that it's, it's meant like, I don't think it's like Dune part one. Or, well, I guess it's more like part one, part two, part three, but right. I finished book one, which is Dune. Uh, it's titled Dune um, last night. And uh, the next book is titled um, Muad'Dib. But if you watch the movie, mm-hmm. Um, book one ends kind of with the whole uh, moment of betrayal um, oh, okay. and the, the death of right. uh, Leto Atreides mm-hmm. um, and the escape of Paul and his mother Jessica. Okay. I was curious um, kind as of, to where it, the book stopped in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of where book one kind of finishes. Um, and, and I say book one, but it's like, you know, the first book, part one or whatever. Um, so the movie, uh, from my understanding, the movie doesn't do this entire book. It only does like maybe part one and part two. Uh, obviously I'm not there yet, so I don't, I don't really know, but it's really fascinating. It's a really good book. Um, and the movie itself is actually really, um, it's really close, almost scene for scene to the, to the book itself. There's really not a whole lot of divergence between the two. And mm-hmm. so uh, I got to think that people who were fans of the book must have really appreciated the movie because it really is right. Um, right. step for step, almost uh, right in line with the book. Um, that's, that, that's really cool to hear. So like I got the book on audiobook. I planned to listen to it while I was working, but I just haven't had a chance to actually do it, <laughs> but it's there in my library. Yeah, you should definitely uh, start listening to it. It's actually a lot of dialogue, which is really interesting. Um, the book itself is written as a lot of conversation pieces. It's like they create uh, moments or set pieces, and and um, you have these characters in them and their and their interactions, and mm-hmm. that's really what each chapter of the book is kind of centered on. Right. Um, 
which I find really intriguing. Like you can take a chapter and basically see it as a scene in a movie, essentially. Right. Um, and it, that's just kind of how, how it goes. And so there's not a lot of like descriptive dialogue and rambling prose and all this kind of stuff. It's a, right. it's very <clears throat> much a quick moving, like interaction based um, story that's happening here. And, and I, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I, I'm, surprised that teenage philip didn't find this um more interesting because you know i I mean when i was in high school i read like the foundation series which is a pretty dense sci-fi series Mm -hmm. in and of itself um but yeah i don't know um i'm really enjoying it though i'm really um happy that i've decided to pick this one up and start reading it it's really rare that a book follows so close or the movie follows so closely with a book like you don't get that a lot like or actually hardly ever and I wonder, like, I'm curious as to how they made that happen between, like, the book and Dune and the movie Dune. Oh, the most recent one, anyway. I don't, I've never watched the one that was in the 80s. So I don't know how well that uh, follows the book. Yeah. I, I suspect that they basically said, we're not going to try to do the whole book. Right. So because they only focused on essentially two thirds of the book and are looking at, you know, maybe another section for movie two, I mean, maybe they're planning on, four or five, six movies at this rate, you know, maybe it'll be a Harry Potter style lineage here. But um, I think that's how they're really able to do it is because they're not trying to cover the whole book. So you're not really cutting out any of the scenes. Um, You just kind of get to go right through it. Um, The only real notable deviation that I saw, which I don't even really understand why they did it was the whole, um, poisoning scene Mm -hmm. so if you remember from the movie and i guess mild spoilers if you spoiler warning if you haven't it's already been like out for eight months i think it's fair it's it's, yeah go for it but you know i'm just i'm kind of putting that out there for anybody listening um but so the scene um as you recall uh leto Mm -hmm. atreides is betrayed by dr yu and he replaces the uh, as he's in that drug state he replaces the fake tooth with the poison tooth Right. right Um, and then when Baron Harkonnen is interrogating Leto Atreides, um, Leto crunches down on the tooth and blows the poison Mm. out of his mouth at the Baron in an attempt to assassinate him. Um, and in the movie, it's really weird. Like the Baron like flies up into the ceiling and is like a freaking bat in the corner or something. It's really odd. right? Right. Um, and you're like, how does that even like, they don't really explain how he could even have done that. Um, and that's and then he's like in this like healing bath for ages because he almost died or whatever right from the thing. But in the book, one, you kind of have an understanding of how he could have flown up into the ceiling because it talks about how he wears these. Uh, essentially, they're like suspenders, mm-hmm. but they call them suspensers. Okay, and they basically allow his legs to only feel like you know. 20% of his body mass. Yeah, I was when like I was watching that, the movie, right? I saw him, he looked like he was kind of floating as he moved around. Like he didn't yes. look like he was walking. Yeah. yeah, so in the book he does still walk but like he wears these things that basically makes most of his body mass because he's super fat just right. be floating in the air so his legs aren't actually feeling it. So I guess in theory the movie's trying to say that he could trigger something on that that basically makes his whole body float up into the right. ceiling, right? Of course, they don't really go into that in the movie. And then in the book, like I said, they he doesn't even do that. So in the book, he just 
I guess Leto Atreides pulls the trigger too soon, for lack of a better expression, mm-hmm. and Harkonnen is far enough away that he realizes what's kind of happening and like runs back and opens the door and, and runs out the room and slams the door behind him. Um, and that's kind of it. He's not like in this healing bath or anything like mm-hmm. that. That's he's he's kind of he's kind of fine, and everybody else in the room is dead. Obviously, interesting. I wonder why um, they chose to go that route with the movie. Yeah, it's really odd, um, especially because, like, in the movie, you know, he gets Harkonnen, like, right up to him and then blows the... Mm-hmm. the, the, the that's not what happens in the book. Um, Interesting. So, that's kind of really the only deviation, too, which makes it even more odd as to why they decided to go that route. Maybe it looked cool in the movie or something. Right. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I recommend anybody out there that has kind of on the fence about picking up the book but enjoyed the movie, like give it a shot because the book is really not that difficult of a read. Um, and it is a really fascinating so far. It's re- it's been really good. Right. Um, I've been, I've been really enjoying it. So cool. that's kind of my, my nerd take of the week, if you will. Cool. Awesome. So. Um, um, talking of books, have you read ready player one yet? I have not. No, After Dune, I recommend one. Have you have you read that one or did you listen to it? I listened to it. It's uh, it's okay. really good. Have you you've seen the movie, haven't you? No, actually, what? I, I never actually watched the movie. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> okay, don't watch the movie. Know, it'll, it'll kind of turn you off the book. Go to the book first and okay. then enjoy the movie. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, I'll I'll think I'll uh I'll add that. It's one about to my list. a gamer trying. in the future, dude. It's all. It's you'd love it. Yeah, I mean, I know the premise of the movie. I, I've seen um, trailers for it, but it just. I think I've been so scarred by what was that one uh, it's a while ago now at this point, but um, I'm trying to remember who starred in it. I can kind of see his face, but it's I can't. Um, movie based on a book? No, it was another video game-ish type movie, mm. but this one was like a virtual reality where people like were forced to get into an arena in a video game essentially and fight each other. Are you talking about gamers? Like Maybe that's what it was called. It has like um, Gerard I'll Butler watch. in it. That's his name, <laughs> Gerard Butler. Yeah, yeah, that movie was terrible. Yeah, awful movie. And uh, yeah, nothing like uh, nothing like I've that. Been... <laughs> nothing like that at all. Well, kind of. I think I'm still scarred. But it's not that bad. Gotcha. Okay, I think I'm still scarred by that movie uh, when it comes to these off gamer movies. Right. So, all right. Well, I'll get. I'll check it out. Um, I've been trying really hard to read more. Um, this year, uh, it's kind of been one of the things I've been trying to, you know, kind of force myself to do is I think it's really good to, to kind of read often. Um, right. if so much as to just kind of, you know, keep the mind working mm-hmm. on, on that kind of thing, uh, right. rather than just passively absorbing video games or movies right. all the time. Right. No, that's always so. good to kind of change things up a little bit. I like whenever I read yeah. a book or listen to one in my case, I, don't like it's so weird because like once the book is over it's kind of like i i'm sad because i'm not in that world anymore you know what i mean yeah like whenever i finished yeah. ready player one i'm like oh i can't keep reading about these guys anymore. i mean they made ready player two and i still have to finish that book but it's just it's i don't know when i read a book i'm always sad when it ends yeah it's very true and i i actually very rarely get that Mm-hmm. with video games and that's kind of odd mm-hmm. and i don't know why 
I don't know. I can't put my finger on why that happens. I like, think this is my opinion on that. I think it's because for me, there like whenever you're playing the game, you're like it's fun, but there's also somewhat of a challenge to it. So you're not like as fully immersed as you are like in the book. Like for me, like I get I beat the last boss. I'm like, thank God I don't have to kill that guy again. You know what I mean? And then like the, yeah. the, the game is over and like, I don't know. It's just, I'm, I'm more wrapped up in the stress of beating the game than I am getting attached to the game. And the sense of accomplishment when you do beat right. it. It's like, I did, I that. did it. I've, yeah. I've accomplished Moving it. Moving on. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, I think part of it too is that video games tend to be longer yeah. than books. And I think like, I think there are a lot of games that if they were over after 12 to 15 hours, mm-hmm. I would be desperate for the next right. one. But because they go on to like 50 and 70 yeah, hours, you're like I'm just, just grinding like, <laughs> in that world. Like, gosh, dang. Just like, yeah, get, like, let's just be done with this. <laughs> yeah. um, but anybody who listens to this show knows that I have very strong opinions on, on how long games should actually be. Right. So that should be of no surprise to anyone. All right. Should we move on and talk about games? Let's talk about them. All right, because you know what? Each and every week we do get together to channel our virtues through the Triforce to provide you, the listener, all the hottest topics from the mythical world of video games. We also add in as much of our as much of our colorful thoughts and Philip monologues as you could handle in a week simply because we love video games and discussing them. If you if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing on your podcasting app of choice. And if you really enjoy it, please share on social media or directly with your friends. The show continues to grow thanks to all of your wonderful support. You can find us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at TriCastGamingP1 and on our website, TriCastGamingPodcast.com. DM us on any platform with your questions, comments, thoughts, whatever, and we'd be happy to share them on the show, just like Kyle Greenhaw has done this week. Uh, Let me pull up his message here and read out what he had to say. He wrote in to us to say, Philip, remind Jason that Bugsnacks is targeting the same audience as Fortnite. Besides, sometimes it's nice to use those games as buffer for large, more taxing games. I personally have been using Pokemon BD for when Elden Ring gets under my skin. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you for sticking up to me, sticking up for me uh, to Jason's nonsense last week, making fun of me for playing Bugsnacks. <laughs> it is a pleasant little game. No Earth Shadower, but it is... A pleasant little game. Uh, I would I would say it's a strong three tryhards. Um, so Dude, you know what? If you've got Game Pass and you need a palate cleanser, go check Dude, out. Dude, I was Max. doing exactly that before we got on. Like because I I've like played a shit ton of Destiny, um, Rocket League. I normally don't play unless I'm playing with you. And I don't really consider that a palate cleanser. So I was like, I'm gonna play Tetris. So I played Tetris for like two hours today. <laughs> nice. It was I just like it. the most I love like. It. I don't know. It was just relaxed. There are times, you know, like Tetris can get a little hectic, but I just kind of, I don't know. It just kind of chills me out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there you go. So uh, thank you, Kyle, for writing in. Thank you for uh, sticking up for me. And uh, it's really unfortunate that that Jason's not here to get slapped in the face by this tweet (laughs) um, live in person, but such is the way of things. All right. Well, what are we playing this week, Mike? There's still just a giant question mark next to your name in the show notes. So, what have you been playing this I week? I have been playing Rocket League with you and Tyler. I get on to Destiny to just do like just. I've been doing one challenge a day. So, like Tuesday, I did uh, the strikes 
challenge and then today i did the crucible and then like that is so i was like i'm gonna go play tetris because i do not play this anymore yeah so, you know. yeah there's almost like too much post-game content for destiny mm-hmm. because like in my mind i'm like well i have to do all of this every week and it's like no you could probably just rotate what you try to get done yeah. but that's not the way my mind works because i'm like a completionist right. i gotta clear off those yellow circles right um Unfortunately, I haven't played any Destiny 2 really this week. Um, I played a bit last Friday night, um, but I drove to my parents on Saturday and I've been there until last night. So, um, unfortunately, I haven't really caught up on any more Destiny this week. Mm. I'm trying to remember, where did I say my light level was at? I think I said like 1554 or something like that. Holy shit. I'm marching up there. Yeah, I'm marching up there, man. I'm getting, I'm getting there. I've been on this grind. We need to find a way to get the raid now. We got to find some some peeps. To do I got it. a, I got a coworker, and maybe a possibly another coworker. Um, we can count Jason out because he's playing the division two right now, and he told me like he yeah. was really kind of like it's Destiny's. Just, he's not feeling it right now, so we may have to replace him. Yeah, and I'm not sure, you know, I'd, I'd like to say that my dad could do it, but he's got a lot of a gear grind to go still to be ready for the raid. So um, maybe once he gets there, he doesn't want to buy the season pass and stuff, so his march is a little bit slower, and that's totally fine. Um, but because I went all in and gave Destiny all my monies, I've been marching a lot faster yeah. um, towards that spot. Um, but yeah, I'm still I'm still having a lot of fun with Destiny. Um now that I'm kind of in my third cycle through some of this content, mm-hmm. I can see where it kind of gets samey, mm-hmm. but I still have a lot of fun just kind of like checking out and shooting shit. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun. And the mods kind of change things up just enough to keep me, uh, in the game. And, uh, there yeah. was a leak. I saw that next season it's going to be, they're going to, uh, rework solar. Okay. Yeah. No, that, that'd be awesome. So we'll get to kind of mess around. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of like the, the golden gun. I really don't like supers. That's like a one shot and then you're done. You like the roaming supers? Um, yeah. Well, cause I like to be able to use it on the boss if I want to, but also for ad clearing when I want right. to. And I feel like when you have a one shot super, that's kind of mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can't, you can't help clear ads also. Yeah. Um, if you need it to. So that's why I'm not a big fan of, but I guess, you know, they have the blade dancer, I think, mm-hmm. but that one's such a hard one to use. Cause he like jumps in the air and throws knives in every direction. And I feel like I almost always like do not capitalize on what the blade dancer can do. Right. You have to so, like, it has to be the perfect moment and you have to know exactly when to do it. Cause sometimes those ads just die too fast. You've just wasted a super. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, we'll see how I get on with that as a hunter. But like my dad, as a as a titan, will probably love it because he loves the the flame hammer throw. Yeah, it'll be a good time for him. <coughs> yeah, for sure. Um, besides Destiny Two, really, where I've been putting all of my time when I can play is in Horizon Forbidden West. Mm-hmm. Um, I did take my PS Five down to my parents' house, thinking I might get to play a little bit, but. Uh, I kind of only played briefly on like the Saturday or the Sunday. Um, but I played a bunch last Thursday and Friday night and I played a bunch more again yesterday. I think I'm really close to the end of this game. Um, it's been a real roller coaster. I think I'm probably only going to be talking about it 
maybe one, maybe two more weeks on the show. I think I'm really that close to finishing this game out. In fact, I'm going to give a real push to try to finish it this weekend if I can. Um, I I think my roller coaster is back down a little bit on this game. Um, in the first one, you kind of go deep, deep into the game, and you eventually get to this new city um, that kind of takes your breath away and how much life is in it and how awesome it looks and kind of this renewed sense of awe in the game after you after you'd already been kind of roaming the eastern uh, parts of the game for the first 20 to 25 hours and that's in the that's in horizon zero dawn the first game in horizon forbidden west this whole time you're trying to get out to the far far west of the map and it's san francisco you know that's where you're going the ruins of san francisco right and you finally get out there, and it's it's kind of the biggest freaking letdown ever. <laughs> There's almost nobody there. Uh, the people that are there are these this tribe that have crossed the ocean from from the east, um, and then a bunch of really like strong machines, and that's kind of it. Um, the buildings are not that impressive. Um, there's not that much do to do on the island. I was done already last night after like, an, it's almost like they got to that point and they're like, shit, the game's already really long. Let's just not put much here because the game's too long. <laughs> and so it's just, it just feels like a real letdown um, to me. And I don't know if I just played the game wrong and I did too much along my way to get there or what, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of just like disappointed by that kind of reveal of like the big San Francisco city there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on top of that, the story is just, the story got so dumb. Like you're, you run across this tribe and this tribe has a leader who thinks he's like the embodiment of one of the old people, like one of the, the, you know, the original humans that lived on earth. And, uh, he's just really dumb and creepy and weird. And he like makes your character put on these garments to enter this temple with him and you're like, no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. And he's like, well, if you don't, I'm going to shoot your friend. But it's like, she's not really my friend. She's your person. <laughs> but yet she seems like, okay, with you just like threatening her life. And she's back cracking jokes the next minute. You're like, what the fuck is happening? I'm like, this is not very good. I, I don't know what's going on. The writing mm-hmm. and the story. It just, dude, I don't understand. This game is such a roller coaster for me. So we'll see if they kind of pull the story back together. Um, but like it's doing that thing that like Assassin's Creed Valhalla did where there's this big story beat, this big story moment of this fallout between you and your brother mm-hmm. in the game. And then it just disappears and it's not a story consequence again for like 50 or 60 hours of the game. And it's done the same thing in Horizon Forbidden West where early on you run into these people that have come from the, another planet mm-hmm. And you find out that they are actually some of the original humans from Earth. And they figured out how to like stop aging. And now they've come back to recolonize Earth. And it's like, okay, that's pretty fucking dope, right? And then like they just disappear. So you're doing all this shit in the world and they just, they're not, they're just gone. They're like not a part of the story anymore. That's very, I'm sure they're going to (laughs) come. I'm sure they're going to come back because they're like your main like foil. Like we have to, get stronger so we can stop them. Right. But yet they have not interfered in anything that's happened since we first met them. <laughs> it's just strange, man. I I don't know, dude. I, I'm really, I think, ultimately 
you know, sometimes people say like the second game in a series is where they perfect all of the stuff mm. that that they wanted to from the first game and they bring it all together. Right. I'm like, no, the first game was really freaking good. And this one is kind of disappointing in comparison to it. Um, mm. So, yeah, that's where I'm at on this one right now. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Um, I have found ways to use some of the different weapons that's made the combat a little bit better. So that's at least good. But, yeah, nah, this... There's a lot of other things that have kind of really fallen off for me with this game. So I don't know. Like I said, I, I really do think that I'm pretty close to the end now. I've uncovered the full map. I've pretty much checked off all the question marks on the map. So there's just a few side quests I need to wrap up, and then I just need to main the story to the end. So I really do think I'm pretty, you know, probably within 10 hours of finishing this game. So cool. I checked my... I think I think I checked my time clock and I'm at like 58 hours now in the game, so it's pretty long, uh, pretty long one. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry, everybody. I've been talking about Horizon Forbidden West for ages. It feels like, um, but I'm almost there. Um, and I'm just I I I'm always honest about my feelings of the game um, as they go, so that everybody can kind of get a feel I, I maybe it's not the best way to kind of review a game sort of as you play it but i don't know that's my vibe i don't have the time to sit down and, and rush a game like this especially the size in a week so you guys are just gonna have to live with that's how i do games it's not gonna be another valhalla though i promise it's not gonna be like five months of me <laughs> playing the same damn game um so cool. we're almost there um and i plan to start up ghostwire tokyo as soon as I finish this uh, Horizon Forbidden West. So that will be the next one on my ticket to check out. Awesome. All right. Um, anything else on what you've been playing this week or should we jump into the topic of the show? What's the topic? The topic of the show, are paid ads finally going to make their way into video games? Well, that's a big maybe, according to some recent reports, but only for free-to-play games. Um, let's jump in here and, and have a discussion, Mike. I'm going to read a little bit from a couple articles, um, and then we can kind of jump into this topic and see what you think on it. Okay. Um, so this is reported by Business Insider, uh, which is actually a paid walled uh, website. So unfortunately, I can't just link this on Twitter. Um, but they stated... Uh, and this is about Microsoft. So they stated, quote, one of the sources uh, that we've talked to speculated Microsoft isn't currently interested in collecting a cut of ad revenue because it wants to provide more money-making opportunities to developers who make free-to-play games. <clears throat> so I'm not really sure. So this is it's kind of an odd way of saying this. They're basically saying that Microsoft doesn't want to introduce it necessarily itself uh, but it doesn't want to stand in the way of other developers bringing this in as another way of monetizing their games, which is a bit odd. But um, that's kind of what is being stated here. Um, Business Insider goes on to talk about um, how they realize that this could cause a bad reaction in some players, um, especially due to stigma and free-to-play games currently using microtransactions and revenue streams. It says, quote, it's moving cautiously, and it, uh, it being Microsoft, um, is moving cautiously and intends to create a private marketplace where only select brands can insert ads into games in a way that doesn't disrupt the gameplay experience. Um, so that's also interesting. Uh, I guess who 
who owns or operates the gate into which uh, certain brands can can decide to um, or choose to insert ad, uh, advertisements into into games. Um, but they gave an example of saying something like having you know car billboards in a car racing game. So you know Ford or Chevrolet advertising on billboards, you know inside of a racing game, which kind of would wouldn't be like that horrible. It's of not a mix. intrusive at all. Right. Um, they go on to state, um, quote, Insider was unable to learn if Xbox will also offer other types of in-game ad units like avatar skins or video ads that play in gaming lobbies. Insider was also unable to determine if Microsoft has pitched the Xbox offer to advertisers yet. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, they go on to kind of give an example of you know one of the first times that ad space selling was used in video games, um, this was in uh, Burnout Paradise in 2008 when Barack Obama bought a billboard <laughs> inside um, inside Burnout Paradise that said "Early voting has begun. Vote for Change." dot com, uh, which is kind of interesting, uh, very forward thinking uh, on their part to engage with younger audiences. Um, so this was reported on the 16th of April. And then shortly after that, just a few days later, the same business insider uh, reported on Sony, claiming that Sony is also considering uh, ad revenue uh, in games for free-to-play games, uh, just like Microsoft. Um, so they go on to say, quote, the goal is for the ads to appear like they're part of the game, like digital billboards and sports stadiums. Formats could include ads that give viewers rewards for watching ads and promotions for in-game items like avatar skins. Um, so basically the same thing um, as they kind of discussed on the Microsoft side, but also PlayStation considering it. Again, um, only for free-to-play games. Um, later on, uh, let's see, uh, sorry, uh, they also include a quote from EA who denied reports that they were planning to run in-game video ads in its console games. Uh, they stated, following incorrect reports suggesting that we are looking to introduce TV-style commercials into our games, we wanted to clarify that in-game advertising for console games is not something we're currently looking at or have signed any agreements to implement. Um, so yeah, when that kind of report came out about EA, it did get a bunch of backlash. So anyway, that's kind of the wrapper of... Um, around the reports that I read this week um, that made me choose this as our topic of the show. So from a sort of conversation piece, Mike, I guess I'll flip the question to you first. You know, how do you feel about potentially having ads um, coming into video games and what that can mean as a monetization I think that, mechanism? I think that like it's it was inevitable. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, I, I kind of... It was going to happen sooner or later. Uh, the only issue I'm going to have is with like, how they implement. Like right now, they're just saying it's, it'll be billboards or just kind of little banners. Like in Rocket League, they do that. They they promote their current season pass and whatever stuff they're selling. You know, like on the outskirts of the arena we play in, which that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like that is the least intrusive thing ever. And they already kind of do like games already do it within their own games, like showing like the deals they have and all that. What this is going to do is just replace those ads with a car company or maybe some electronic devices like an iPhone or a new graphics card or something. Like it'll just be that instead of whatever the in-game thing is, um, and that's right. fine as long. It's just how far are they going to push 
the ads. You know what I mean? Like, because right now they're just saying it's going to be just a billboard, but like later on the road, could it be like uh, ad plays as you load into a game? <laughs> you know, you Dude. boot up the game and here comes an ad. Like that shit is not going to fly. Imagine if it was like a, uh, imagine if it was like an American football game where after you complete like an enemy encounter, it's like chops to an advertisement on like Cheez Its or some bullshit. <laughs> and then it's like, all right, you can play the game again. Like, and you're like, what the yeah, hell? Yeah, that would not, dude. Oh my God, that would not fly. I don't know. God, <laughs> no, God, God, no. But yeah, like that's, it's just how far will it, because right now, and also another thing is they're saying it's going to be for free to play games, right? So what constitutes a free-to-play game? Something you just download, don't you pay for it, right? Well, what if Xbox right. or Microsoft decides, okay, Game Pass games are technically free-to-play. Uh, you can get that, get rid of the ads if you actually full out buy the game that's on Game Pass. You know what I mean? Like, because well, I mean that's just that's a small leap, small like to yeah. go from there to there. So you're not wrong. Um, it really depends on how far they want to push it and how much. The gamers just accept it or kind of resist, which I, I right. think like I I think once this starts happening, it's going to be like just they're going to keep pushing a little bit more, a little bit more, and just kind of test how we react, I guess. So like if they do it a little bit and they don't see any Game Pass stuff, like anybody unsubscribing, they're going to keep going, and keep going. Um, so it's going to kind of be up to us and our pockets or uh, wallets to see how far they're going to push the stuff yeah i I mean i'm not gonna lie it would would be kind of cool to be like driving around gta 6 (laughs) and like the billboards are advertising whatever new movie is about to release in movie theaters or something like i actually think that'd be kind of neat like as far as an immersive simulator but like if i'm playing god of war ragnarok and i just beat like some dude Mm. and kratos is like boy come here and then like it cuts to like an advertisement for fucking Cheez-Its or something. I'm just going to be like the hell with this. So yeah, it's all about the implementation, right? And how intrusive it is into the gaming experience. Right. Um, but you have to say like with the, you know, the move to SSTD, SS, SSTD, SSD, SSDs, um, and reduced load times and stuff like that. There really isn't a whole lot of way to get advertising. They can just, they can just make it artificially load slower and throw an ad in there. That would suck, though. Like, I would hate that. Yeah. Like, I would instantly hate that. I would Period. hate it as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like like you said, a lot of the free-to-play games are centered around, you know, uh, I guess, in-and-out experiences. I don't know what the, you know, the five-minute gameplay loop, right? Rocket League is centered mm-hmm. around a match that you load into, you play for Fortnite is, you know, yeah. you know, 100 people battle royale. When you die, you go to the Okay, what about match, a, right? the Halo of- multiplayer? Because that's free to play. Yeah, yeah. So, like, in that regard, like, you know, they could come up with clever ways to put advertisements in, like, that one city map mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, Have, like, a Doritos commercial like, just playing in the background as you're shooting people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just you don't want to break the immersion. Like, if I'm loading into the game and there's, like, a banner about the latest Cool Ranch <laughs> cross halo you know um what do they call those you know incentives or or uh marketing play that would just be so immersion breaking like i'm loading into this like (laughs) 
bizarre uh you yeah. know map and i'm about to go shoot some people in the face and there's like cool ranch doritos <laughs> flying across the screen exactly. or something. yeah that's uh it could be problematic after a while man like and i think what's gonna happen is like after two years we probably won't even notice it anymore when they do implement this stuff like it right. probably will be like it just it's just something in the background as long as I can tune it out, I guess it's not that bad. But if it's so intrusive that I can no longer tune it yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, the thing with ads, though. You're not, they don't want you to tune it out. They want to grab your attention for like a moment or two. And that's like what they, that's the thing about ads. Like they're there to grab your attention. And if you put them in games, it's it, like, again, yes, billboards or stuff like just banners. That's fine. But especially if they're paying to have these ads in, they want your attention on them for however long they need. So I don't see how they're going to yeah. like walk that line to where it breaks the immersion and give these companies that are paying money to put ads in their games to give what make it worth their while. You know what I mean? Like what, how, I don't know how they're going to walk that line to make it jive with the yeah. game. Yeah, no, I mean, you make a great point there. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm always, and, I, and I've made this argument before on the show, and I'll stand by it, that I'm always open to uh, allowing developers to explore other ways to monetize their games. Right. Um, <clears throat> and to make money off their product. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we as players just need to, we need to let them know what is and isn't acceptable. Right. And, you know, as with all things, you know, I think players have made it pretty clear that microtransactions and battle passes that allow you to buy your way to winning in a game are unacceptable. Yeah. And we've made that pretty clear, and I think there's basically no games left that really do right. that, except for maybe like FIFA, which is borderline, right? You can, If you spend literally thousands of dollars, you could earn enough credits to buy the best cards on the market if you never get them in the packs. Right. But that's like, that's like an egregious... It's not like you can just go drop $200 and have a... Have a you know, a league three squad or something, right. You'd have to spend like a ton of money. Um, and you'd have to get really lucky with it. But so I think as long as gamers are just, you know, vocal about what is and isn't acceptable, right. You know, kind of come at it with a little bit of an open mind, but also be critical of the games that do it wrong. Mm. And I think eventually it might be a little bit of a frustrating period for, you know, five to seven years while we kind of all figure this right. out. But um, maybe it won't even last that long because of the fact that we can update games on the fly now. Maybe they can patch things in and out yeah. based on gamer feedback right. and just be vocal about what works and what, what doesn't That's work. That's one say. thing gamers are. Vocal. <laughs> they let you know. They let you know, man. They're a vocal crowd. Yeah. Okay. Um. Anything else kind of on this topic or uh, I would say like, you know, listeners, you know, write into us, let us know um, if there's any points of view that we kind of didn't discuss and think about. Uh, we'd be happy to, to kind of bring it up on the show. Right. Uh, I guess my overall take is that I'm open mm-hmm. to other ways to monetize your games, right. uh, but this could very quickly be intrusive and unwanted and I will be a hundred percent vocal yeah. should that happen. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm all for those smart companies finding a way to get more money to develop games. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, but like you have, they just have to find a way to make it work. All right. Um, 
should we move on to the uh, new speed run? What is... It's not much of a speed run tonight. It's kind of just a bunch of topics that are worth talking about. Looks like it. Um, yeah, so let's get into it. Uh, the first one is a bit of a reader. So uh, let me frame this one for you, and then I'll kick it to you, Mike. Number one, Warner Bros. Uh, and Discovery is looking to bolster DC's gaming output. This is according to a new report from Variety. They claim that following the merger of Warner Brothers and Discovery, uh, which will see the new conglomerate take control of Warner Bros. Gaming, that internal discussions are taking place around how to, quote, overhaul the DC universe in media, including games. Warner Bros. Interactive Entertainment, the group's gaming division, currently has four DC gaming projects in development. Gotham Knights, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, The Wolf Among Us 2, and Wonder Woman. Uh, The report reveals that the company plans to rejuvenate characters such as Superman and that the company is seeking a Kevin Feige-like character uh, or figure to oversee this expansion. Uh, While DC's films are in a firm second place behind Disney's Marvel Cinematic Universe in the box office, its uh, its games have been much much closer. The 2010s saw the Batman Arkham games from Rocksteady become critical and commercial successes, and the Injustice series, a a pair of fighting games developed by uh, NetherRealm, the same studio behind Mortal Kombat, were also really well-received. Meanwhile, Marvel's gaming output has suffered somewhat with middling reception and disappointing performance of Marvel's Avengers and the more recent Guardians of the Galaxy, although that's a superb game, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Marvel is, though, seeing success with its Spider-Man titles. Developed by Insomniac Games, both Marvel Spider-Man and Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales were commercial and critical hits. A sequel is currently in development, and Insomniac Games is also developing a new Wolverine game. So that's a lot uh, to kind of put on the table. I wanted to kind of say what we've seen in recent times from video games. Um, But Mike, how do you feel about them trying to rejuvenate or overhaul the DC? CU uh, or DCEU, whatever they call it. Um, is it needed? What do you want to see? Like, uh, I mean, know. they're only talking about specifically video games, right? They're not talking about movies here. No, it sounds like they're talking about everything, um, but they are including video games in that. Episode. So are they tying games into the movies or are they just talking about revamping them individually? Uh, they haven't said one way or the other. Okay, I'm hoping it's individually because tying that's, that's a lot to do games and movies. That's that's a lot. Anyway, if I'm hoping it's just individually, like they're going to revamp the DC games and then revamp the DCU movie stuff on its own, that's fine. I'm all cool with it. Um, but yeah, this is exciting if they're wanting to make a universe within their games. So like you have a Batman game and it kind of ties, will tie into like the Suicide Squad squad game which will kind of tie into like a wonder woman story like i really 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 like that that's exciting yeah that that would be really neat um because it'll it's like, one, like like you're playing one big game but they're breaking it off into s- small digestive sections yeah 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 or at least that all of these games just kind of exist in the same universe and there's nods to yeah. each other uh, across them that that would be just that would be cool as well um you know from from your sort of position as more of a i i would say you're more of our resident dc fan i think you probably like it more than anybody else on our panel mm-hmm. um 
you know, what do you think that they need to do? Let's keep it to games for now. We can debate movies at a later date, uh, which I definitely think they need to work Mm -hmm. on. But from a gaming perspective, you know, if they're looking to overhaul its its gaming media, Mm -hmm. what do you think they need to change and and work on? I think if they kind of go back to like the Batman Arkham series and kind of don't carbon copy that, but kind of like take the good stuff out of those games and put them in your ones you're kind of developing and then make a great story for it. Like that is really going to make this whole game universe like great. And what's great about games is like, you don't have to like try to recast the same person over and over and over again. You're just making a video game. Like everybody is like the same no matter what. Uh So this should be easier as far as kind of keeping continuity that way. Um, But yeah, I, I think if they can just stick with the way they did the Arkham series, and take the good parts out and put them everywhere else. Put that everywhere else with a great story. It's going to be an amazing, amazing series. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think they need to expand across different characters? Oh, or just kind of keep no, up no. with stories. They and- need to like. They need to bring in like every like every. <laughs> this is a lot to ask, but every Justice League member should have their own individual game, flesh out their story in those games, and then have like this big bad like that probably is teased in every single story that they all have to kind of come together and fight. You know what I mean? And that will be a game in itself and then kind of build off that as well. So. Dude, that'd be so cool, but it's like a 15 year project. That's more, it's a we 30 not, year. We, we, we don't think we live long enough to play this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think that they kind of need to focus on like third person action like they like what they've been doing, or do you think they need to branch out into other like genres and types? Well, see, of games? I think uh, depending on like you can change it up between the the different heroes. Like one game could be a first person, another one can be like a different perspective on how the game's played. It's really depending on who's making the game. As long as the stories intertwine, make the game however you want. Just make sure things make sense across all the games as far as stories. Like try yeah. to cover the plot holes. Yeah, see, I think, like, if you just kind of started telling stories in genres that made sense, mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. Like, imagine, like, a, um, you know, like a, a narrative-focused uh, Joker game. Yeah. Like, not, 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 like, you don't want to do a bunch of action. It could be, like, a third-person shooter, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, Joker does like to, to shoot guns frequently, right. right? But how cool would it be to to have like a third person shooter, but sort of more narrative focused? So think like Uncharted, yeah. but where you're playing as Joker and it was just dark as hell. That would be freaking like, epic. I played the shit out of that game. <laughs> yeah. Like how dope would that, like that be? That's like um, not been done yet. Like a video game on a based off of you're a villain. You're playing the villain. Yeah. That'd be so cool. Or like um you know, like an XCOM style um, game where you're, uh, you know, where you get to control individual like characters, mm-hmm. you know, that would be, um, or maybe not even XCOM, maybe like um, like a, a Diablo style third person action game where each character has their own like move right. sets. And so you could pick to be like Green Lantern mm-hmm. or Batman or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And go through like waves of, you know, henchmen and whatever right. until you get to like the, the big boss fight against yeah man you know, whatever I think, whatever villain like, yeah that would be, it'd be really cool. fun as long as if they're going to keep it a universe they, or keep it yeah a whole connected intertwined universe they need to make sure 
Their stories connect. No plot holes. Yeah, yeah. Or if they're plot holes, like, just make them, like, obvious plot holes. You're right. Like, we obviously didn't care about this plot. Right. And it's, it's, we kind of poke fun at it ourselves or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, no, like, think like a, like a Marvel Ultimate Alliance, but for DC games. Yeah. Like, that'd be, that'd be really awesome. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I hope they do. I hope they just kind of start to find, you know, good genres that fit with, like, telling stories from different character perspectives, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't want to just see them reboot, you know, Batman again, 1500 right. times. Like, yeah, that's not what I'm interested in. Um, no. so, all right. Uh, anything else on this topic or should we move on to the next? Dude, story? I want to, I want to play a flash game. Yeah. Just, how, what would you, I have no idea. Flash is like, super he's just super fast, fast right? like that. You can run really fast and that's it. Like I want to see what they can do to make that game entertaining with you running fast. I'm trying to think like, has there ever been another game that's kind of played with the idea of, uh, there was actually, um, there has been, uh, infamous second son. Uh, it was like a launch PlayStation title. Mm-hmm. Uh, you play as this character who can like, basically turn into like electricity and things like that. And he can like zap around the battlefield oh, right. and really fast movements um, and like do a combo with somebody and then zap around somewhere else and do a combo. Like it was pretty cool. That kind of reminds me of a so uh, two human as well. Have you ever played that? Uh, no. no, I haven't okay. played that one. It's kind of, sim- it's kind of yeah. similar as that to that. But yeah, you, cause you could like, cause you could use the electricity and stuff like that. You could like sprint up the sides of right. buildings and things like yeah. that. As long as you ran along, like, power right. lines or whatever i don't remember what it was but yeah like i could see where you know you could take the basic mechanics that were kind of developed mm-hmm. there and create kind of a cool third person action open world game where you just like you don't need fast travel because you can just sprint, sprint around like a madman right. everywhere yeah. that'd be cool yeah it's pretty sweet all right uh let's move on to number two uh god of war ragnarok is still on track to release this year uh, this is by way of a somewhat ill-advised tweet response mm-hmm. from one of the game's lead developers. On Wednesday, April 20th, Santa Monica Stu- Sony Santa Monica Studio tweeted a video of Corey Barlog asking fans to remain patient for news on the upcoming God of War sequel. This video was also retweeted by the game's animation director, Bruno Velazquez, who was asked by a follower, Bruno, reassure us that it will come this year 100%. Velasquez did, as the follower asked, categorically replying, quote, Ragnarok is coming this year, end quote. Uh, I would take this with a heavy pinch of salt, but sounds like at least internally they are trying to track to a release this year. What are your thoughts here, Mike? It's going to get delayed. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I could see a September release window being pretty good. Um a pretty good time to release this game, but the problem is, is that we haven't really seen a whole lot mm-hmm. uh, from this game. Uh, we have had some gameplay uh, reveals for it, um, but if it's releasing in September, that's only like four or five months away, and we have not had that confirmed. So it's a little bit uh, nervy, I guess, for PlayStation fans here. Yeah, it's gonna get delayed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i really wouldn't i i really wouldn't want to be bruno either on uh let's see he tweeted this out yesterday 
so I really wouldn't want him to want to be him this morning coming in and getting calls from the marketing and PR people being like, <laughs> what dude, the- what the <laughs> fuck what are you thinking? Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, well, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna hope Bruno's right and he knows what's up and that this game is coming out later this year because I definitely want to play this. Um, I am looking forward. to I mean, this we, game. to be fair, we still have plenty of the year left. So it's true. Plenty of time. Plenty of time. All right. Number three. Skydance New Media and Lucasfilm Games have announced a new narrative-driven action-adventure game featuring an original story in the Star Wars galaxy. The game will be helmed by Amy Hennig, one of the main creative forces behind Naughty Dog's Uncharted series. This is the second project that Hennig's Skydance New Media studio is working on in collaboration with Disney. It was announced last year that the studio was working on a new Marvel game also. Um, I think this is really cool. We get another Star Wars game to look forward to, but also like this is not a huge studio and this would be the first two games from the studio. So I'm a little bit nervous of them a- announcing two projects uh, back to back like this um, in pretty short order. Uh, I have no idea when we're going to actually see these games or what they will be about, but I guess that's something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love a star Wars narrative game? Yeah, that's very true. Uh, we're getting into this point where there's a lot of Star Wars announced. I remember one of my um, uh, predictions going into sort of the E3 summer announcement time window last year was that it would be the year of Star Wars. Uh, and, of course, there was basically nothing said about Star Wars at the shows. Uh, but since then, we've had tons of Star Wars games mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of announced and confirmed as happening. Uh, which is kind of crazy. We got this Fallen Order sequel. We got the Knights of the Old Republic remake. Uh, Star Wars Eclipse, which is the one from Quantic Dream. Uh, Respawn's other two additional projects that they announced when they confirmed this, the Fallen Order remake uh, sequel, I mean. Uh, we've got the Ubisoft open world game that's supposedly in development at Massive Entertainment. Um, and then now we've got this uh, game from Amy Hennig's uh, studio. So just tons of Star Wars games to look out, there, out for there. There's what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Star Wars games that we know are in development right now. Man, that, Pretty that wild. Counts. Dude, that's a lot of stuff they're taking out of Star Wars. <laughs> they're like, when is yeah. the cow going to run out of milk? <laughs> when? It sort of depends on how all these come out, right? Like, are they staggered appropriately? Mm. Like, if we have a new Star Wars game every year for, like, six years straight starting in 2023, is that a Here's, here's my prediction. Thing? They're going to come out in 2025, all in February. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really hope that doesn't happen. That would be pretty bad. Um, but I don't know. As a Star Wars fan... Would I hate a new Star Wars game every year to look forward to? No. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. It might get it might get old after a little mm-hmm. while. You know, maybe every other year would be a better cadence. But right. it also depends on the variance of the game. You know, like when we had Battlefront, which was a shooter, right. and then we had Fallen Order, which was a third person action lightsaber right. game, and then we had Squadrons, which was a TIE Fighter, yeah. X Wing. That's a good variety. Ship fighter. Yeah, so it just depends on what we get mm-hmm. um, and and the cadence at which they come right. out. 
All right, anything else to add or should I move on? What's next? All right, number four. It's not just Sonic the Hedgehog that Sega wants to branch out into as in, in the movie business. Uh, this is according to a new report from Deadline who claimed the publisher's beloved beat-em-up series, Streets of Rage, is also up for an adaption. Uh, that means we could see uh, we could be seeing Axel, Blaze, and many other fan favorites hanging out. Sorry, handing out vigilant justice on the mean streets of Wood Oak City when the film hits theaters. It seems to still be very early days of production. However, we do know that Derek Kolstad is attached to writing the script. This is the writer, perhaps best known for creating the John Wick series, which I when I was like, okay, I like Streets of Rage. This is kind of cool. But then when they said the John Wick writer was going to do it, I was like, okay, if we get a bunch of like John Wick style choreographed fight scenes with the Streets of Rage characters, that could be pretty dope. That's going to be gonna lie. pretty freaking epic, dude, if they can get that. Yeah. By the way, yeah, I maybe. already have a casting choice. Uh, what's the blonde guy's name? What's the... What's this character's name? Isn't that Axel? Axel, that's it. Okay, I'm going to send you a picture. And I want to see who you would cast as this guy. It's going to be in a messenger. Or, all right, there you are. All right. This makes great audio. <laughs> this this okay, makes great you see, audio. Okay, the all guy right, in the middle. Okay. Who do you think would play that guy right there? I'm thinking like, like it could have been like a, a young Val Kilmer could have done, could have been Axel. Johnny Lawrence. <laughs> that Johnny Lawrence Dude. he totally if Johnny Lawrence got super buff he totally could do it telling you man yeah. that's the way to go there you go um, no I don't know that, I think it'd be really cool like make this like an R rated movie no, it has even. to like, be go hard it has to be go hardcore on this shit man um, yeah I don't know this would be um, I, I'm I'm low key looking forward to seeing what they come up with um and I think my my real interest was piqued when they said that the writer from John Wick was attached. Yeah, that's that's a good get. All right, uh, let's move on to number five. Last Friday's online speculation of Sony potentially buying Kojima Productions picked up enough attention that Hideo Kojima himself has felt the need to comment on the rumors. <laughs> Speaking on Twitter, the Metal Gear Solid and Death Stranding creator appeared to put an end to the speculative chatter, stating, quote, I'm sorry for the misunderstanding, but Kojima Productions has been and will continue to be an independent studio, end quote. Funnily enough, Kojima is the one who actually fueled the speculation before, uh, by issuing this, by issue, uh, before issuing the statement as he simply posted the new PlayStation Studios banner doing the rounds with Death Stranding protagonist Sam Bridges on it. This was done from his Japanese account without any context. People are desperate to see who Sony is buying next um, and many people believe that Kojima Productions is the one that makes the most sense uh, I don't know I mean I don't know that I would say that this definitively puts that to bed one way or the other Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah I don't know you gotta be careful what you post on the internet I guess yep uh, it's kind of funny um, <laughs> that just just sharing a picture of a, of a PlayStation banner Let's start all the rumors, right. but uh, to be fair, the banner itself only features first-party studios, and now also 
the the main character from Death Stranding, which is not uh, Kojima is not a first party studio. This was a second party uh, uh, game mm. that that came out exclusively on PlayStation. So I can see where people are getting a little bit interested uh, on this one, but I don't know. I think. Uh, I think if I was Sony, I would kind of stay away from this one for now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of let Kojima do his own thing. I- I'll continue to stand by the 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 announcement that would actually legit get me excited is if is if Sony was able to purchase game IP rights from Ko- uh, Ko- Konami. Mm-hmm. If they could do that, if they could get Castlevania and Silent Hill and those kinds of games, uh, that would actually be an acquisition that got me excited. Um, there's not much else out there that would get me excited for Microsoft or X, uh, PlayStation, mm-hmm. one way or the other, in terms of the acquisition game. But anything to add here, Mike? Um, a little bit. The thing is, like, okay, I'm gonna kind of like step back and look at the bigger picture here. The reason I get excited when Microsoft acquires a studio is not because it's taking a game away from PlayStation. It's more that I am a Xbox, like I'm a, what is it, a Game Pass subscriber. So I know I'll get their new games day one. That is like, that is the only reason I am excited for these acquisitions. Now, what, when PlayStation does it, what is it that, why is it that you are excited for that? If PlayStation were to get those rights to those games. Are you asking me specifically? Yeah, yeah. I guess that's what you said, right? Those game, those uh, was it Silent Hill and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and the, and I think that's a good question, right? Because the reason I would be excited by that is because I see that as the one thing that needs rescuing out there, right? Konami are not doing anything good, at least with Castlevania mm-hmm. and Silent Hill um, and Metal Gear Solid, right? Okay. But if PlayStation were to be able to come in and buy, whether it's the Konami gaming division or the IP rights, they could really rescue those games, pull those games franchises out okay. and reboot them properly and bring them to market in a, in a market that we just currently don't have those at all. They're just missing. Right. right? Um, and I don't see Konami selling to any American company, so they're not going to sell to no, Microsoft. No. Right. But they might sell to PlayStation. Right. Um, and so that's what would get me excited. Now, if PlayStation turned around and bought like Capcom wholly and were to make those games exclusive to their platform, that's not exciting to me at all. Okay. Like I, I don't need that. That that's uninteresting. So it's just games that you think need to be revitalized currently is what really excites you about some of that stuff. Yeah, games that I think that could be saved and, and rebooted properly in the right hands. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. I was sure. just curious. Yeah, I mean, I certainly think that there are people out there that are interested in somewhat of the war, you know, the the console war. Um, I don't buy into that at all. It, it, me personally, it doesn't that doesn't drive me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do agree with your stance that, like, because you're you're heavily invested in Game Pass, when Microsoft come in and say we're purchasing X Studio. Right you know immediately with that announcement that, oh man, there's more value to something that I'm already yeah. engaged mm-hmm. in and actively involved in. And that is in and of itself exciting. Um, right. Yeah, I'd be really curious, any of our any of our PlayStation listeners that um, 
that are diehard PlayStation, if you get excited by PlayStation acquisition mm-hmm. announcements, what is it that you're actually excited about? Right. Yeah. Especially if it's a studio that was already publishing games on your console. Yeah. What What have you got out of it? What have you gained mm-hmm. from it? That's that's uh, that's really it. <laughs> Okay, um, I guess uh, I guess one final thought, like you know, something that I could be you know kind of teed up mm-hmm. for is if you said to me, well, you know, a studio like Double Fine, right, that doesn't have a whole lot of financial backing, you know, look to uh, Kickstarter to just try to make Psychonauts two happen. You know, when Microsoft came in and bought them and said, no, what you've got here is is good, and we're just going to give you all the money in the world that you needed right. to make this great. And I think Psychonauts really benefited from mm-hmm. that. You know, that's something that could be exciting. Yeah. But if it's like Capcom, like what about Capcom being purchased by a Sony would be exciting. Right. Especially because they're so big that Sony probably would give them the bungee treatment where they're like, yeah, Capcom's just going to keep operating <laughs> on its right. own, releasing third-party games. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd be really interested in, in people's thoughts mm-hmm. there for sure. All right, uh, moving on to number six. This is another little bit of a big one here. Uh, We'll kind of break this down in parts. I'll read a little bit, and then we'll kind of talk, and then I'll read a little bit more. Uh, But there's been quite a few announcements this past week from 343 Industries about some of the upcoming new stuff that we're getting in Season 2 Halo Infinite. Um, First of all, they announced a bunch of... um, Or they announced the two new maps um, that will be coming. So... um, those two new maps uh, are going to be Catalyst, which will be an arena map, um, and Breaker, which will be a big team battle map. Both of these maps will make their debut on the 3rd of May alongside the season, the second season of Halo Infinite. Uh, Catalyst is a symmetrical arena map nested high up inside of an expansive tunnel-like forerunner structure. You'll find waterfalls pouring down around suspended catwalks, overgrown cathedral walls, and a light bridge connecting the sides of the map together. Meanwhile, Breaker is a pseudo-symmetric big-team battle map set in a banished scrapyard, where each team's base is a huge chunk of ship debris divided by the plasma-cutting beam structure in the middle. And yes, that beam is absolutely a dynamic element of the map that presents both opportunities and challenges in gameplay. Um, So this was the first thing they announced uh, last Friday or Saturday, Mike, what do you think about two new maps, one for Arena and one for Big Team Battle? I think that's good, um, but it's not going to really get me back hardcore into the game. <laughs> like, I really barely was in it, but, I mean, it's like that is going to add some variety to the players that are playing right now that are enjoying it. Because, um, like, when I was playing, it felt like I was playing on the same map over and over and over again. And that yeah. got boring. So maybe this will help diversify it a little bit. But right now, it's not enough to bring me back. Yeah, and honestly, like I don't like the one for one here. Like I think you need two new minimum. You needed two new arena maps. Mm-hmm. And if that meant that you had to just leave Big Team Battle with what it has right now, then that's what you have to do. Right. Um, but at a minimum, you needed two new arena maps, and so. I'm a little bit disappointed that we're only getting one. That said, Catalyst looks really cool. I like the video that I saw. I liked what I um I like the vibe of the map. It looks really interesting. Um and I mean, I'm not going to turn down new maps, but 
I just think you needed two new ones, and I, I wish that they would have focused on on arena because that's where most people spend the majority of their time. Right. Um. So then we got another announcement. Uh, this was just yesterday, I believe, <laughs> that they announced this. Um, and this is a detailed look at our three new game modes that are coming with season two. Um, so those three are King of the Hill, uh, Land Grab, and Last Spartan Standing. Uh, the Bonafide Halo Classic King of the Hill returns in Season 2, although with a slight variance. Once the team uh, fills the kills, capture bar, the location moves, sort of like Hardpoint from Call of Duty or Gears of War's King of the Hill mode. Land Grab is a spin on the Domination-style mode, where three neutral capture points are up for grabs. Each team will then race to capture the points, and once all three are no longer neutral, another three locations will pop up. Each capture earns your team a point, with the winning team being the first to reach 11. Last Spartan Standing is very interesting indeed. It is a free-for-all based mode on the big team battle maps featuring 12 players total. Each player spawns in with a particular loadout and five respawns each. The twist, earning a kill, upgrades your loadout to a more powerful weapon setup, just like Escalation Slayer from previous titles or indeed Gun Game from other shooters. Oh, and there happens to be a closing circle that condenses the battlefield as matches come to a close. Mm. That all looks and sounds pretty Battle Royale-esque to me, minus the looting and even bigger player counts. Still, it could serve as a precursor to a more proper Battle Royale, which has been rumored in Halo Infinite for some time. Mike, what about these new game modes? Do any of these intrigue the, you? The gun game type, the Escalation Slayer, is that what it's called? Uh, well, it's officially titled Last Spartan Standing. Okay, Last Spartan Standing. That's um, like it, somewhat enticing to bring me back. But uh, again, it's only going to be on big maps, which there's only two. I mean, I guess that really doesn't matter, uh, well, right? Well, there will be three now, yeah, three, right? Because Breaker. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. That that intrigued me a little bit there. That might let me, I might go try it out. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a small. I mean, it's only 12 players um, in, in each game. But, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, certainly intriguing, uh, certainly a dip in the in the waters of the Battle Royale-type genre. Yeah, the, the thing um, I like about it is you get five lives. So, like, it's different, kind of different where Battle Royale, you die and you're, like, out of the game. Here, you have a chance, you have another chance to go again. And, right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, I, and there's this... Like if you have two people like way to the queen of the games, like in the game, you like you have a shitload of people kind of in close quarters there, which would be kind of hectic yeah. and fun at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm just excited to see King of the Hill come back. I'm really a big fan of King mm-hmm. of the Hill, so uh, that'll be fun to see back in Halo. All right, number seven. This is more of a PSA than anything else. <coughs> Excuse me, but Sony has announced. Uh, that the DualSense controller can now get firmware updates via a PC connection. Hmm. Players who prefer to play on a PC no longer need to connect their controller to a PlayStation 5 in order to update it. They can now download new Windows software called Firmware Updater for DualSense Wireless Controller, which can be found on the PlayStation website. Um, So yes, thank you PlayStation for supporting PC players. Uh, That would have been so annoying. I never had to actually deal with this. Mm -hmm. 
But that would have been so annoying if you were like, if you just bought a PS5 controller because you're like, oh, I can use the DualSense with PC games now. And you get it and you're like, oh, I need a PlayStation 5 just to update just the firmware. Take your on the controller. controller. Like, does anybody have a PlayStation 5? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad Sony have fixed this. Right. Now, if they can just get an app on, like, I need a PlayStation app, like, there's an Xbox app on PC. So, like, my uh, coworker that plays Destiny at work, he has a PlayStation, and sometimes the oh. in-game Destiny like chat is awful and it won't work. It'll work sometimes, but sometimes it just won't work at all. So if I can just like get the PlayStation app and launch a party or join his party on PlayStation, then that would fix all our problems. Well, supposedly, I mean, PlayStation bought a minority stake in Discord, and supposedly they're working to join those two services up together. So maybe your answer is just Discord will finally work I on need PS5. Good Lord. Yep, I'm with you. All right, well, that's all of our news items uh, for this week's uh, speed run. Uh, let's move into releases and game announcements. Uh, coming up next, uh, next week on April 29th, we've got Nintendo Switch Sports. Uh, your your spiritual successor to Wii Sports is coming out on the Switch. Uh, May 5th, we've got Trek to Yomi. That'll be on uh, both PlayStation consoles, both Xbox consoles, and on PC. That's that really cool black and white um, 2D samurai game coming out. Looks very interesting. Uh, May 10th, we've got Salt and Sacrifice on PlayStation 4 and 5, as well as PC. That's a sequel to Salt and Sanctuary, sort of a 2D Souls-esque game. And then on May 26th, we've got Sniper Elite 5 on PlayStation consoles, Xbox consoles, and on PC. Uh, anybody who listens to the show regularly knows that my dad and I recently played through Sniper Elite 4 and had actually a pretty good time with that. So I'm actually kind of looking forward to that. That one will also be in Game Pass uh, day and date. So if you've got Game Pass, you can check that one out too. All right, game announcements. We've actually got quite a few game announcements here, so I'll start reading them off, Mike, and just let me know if you got any thoughts on these. Will do. Number one, EA Sports uh, F122 has been officially revealed alongside a July 1st release date. Codemaster showed off the game for the first time on Thursday, April 21st. The title features the 2022 FIA Formula One World Championship with its new hybrid cars and overhaul rules, including F1 sprint races. It also includes the International Autodrome for the inaugural Miami Grand Prix, which actually takes place in just a few weeks' time. I think it's like the first weekend of May, first or second weekend of May. So that's coming up real soon in real life. Um, <clears throat> and it also has uh, real-life track changes um, yeah, for Australia, Spain, and Abu Dhabi, who've had some tweaks to their circuit layout. Um, Have you did, you'd think I'd hold be really... Hold on one second. Do you know that... Is it? I heard a rumor, or I don't know if it's even a rumor, that they're building or designing a track in Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. No, that's totally not a oh, rumor. Damn. It's officially for sure happening uh, next year. Uh, there will be... And it's actually incorporating the Strip. I mean, they're going to run right past, like, Caesar's dude, Palace. How, and stuff, dude, how... So. Have you ever been to Las Vegas? Yeah, That yeah, road yeah. is tiny. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It'll be pretty epic. I will say yeah, that, sure. at least. And it's supposedly going to be a nighttime race, like with like a uh, nine or ten p.m. local green flag, which is crazy. Dude, that like that's like, the only time to run that race in Las Vegas is that night when that shit's like yeah. lit up. 
Yeah, yeah, that'd be wild. Um, no, that is definitely really happening. They announced that officially a few weeks ago also. Um, so Formula One definitely getting a bigger footprint in the United States. Um, you'd think I'd be really excited for this game. I finally bought an F1 game for the first time in a while with F121, mm-hmm. and I still haven't launched it. I bought it at Christmas <laughs> when it was on sale. Well. Um, I don't know what it is. The I just don't get into wanting to play an F1 game. Mm-hmm. Like, I never missed a Formula One race, ever. I watched them all live. But, but a Formula One game doesn't... Can't get into it. Doesn't seem... <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. All right, and number two, Bandai Namco's Klonoa remasters will be released on multiple platforms when they arrive on July 8th, the company has announced. The remastered collection will release on both PlayStation consoles, both Xbox consoles, and on Steam. Uh, Bandai Namco said on Thursday, this is in addition to the already confirmed Nintendo Switch of, uh, Nintendo Switch version arriving the same day. So if you're really into Klonoa, it's coming everywhere. You can get it wherever you want. Get all the Klonoa you need. <laughs> this sounds like some weird, like, hipster rice, you know? Hipster like, rice. Uh, <laughs> it, like, you know, like couscous or something. Right. Like, it's like some kind of hipster version of couscous. That's hilarious. Klonoa. Uh, All right, number three, Meta used its second annual Quest Gaming Showcase to reveal a new Ghostbusters game, as well as a uh, Resident Evil 4 Mercenaries update. Dude, there needs to be a Resident Evil Ghostbusters crossover game. (laughs) You just suck up like vampires and werewolves and shambling zombies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, developed by In Dreams and published by Sony Pictures Virtual Reality, the game sees players setting up a Ghostbusters HQ in San Francisco and is play- playable solo or in four-player co-op. I did not see a release date alongside this announcement, but yeah, a VR Ghostbusters game is on its way. It's about time. Uh, thank you, thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, for making our wildest dreams possible. Thank you, Zuck. <clears throat> All right, number four, Blizzard has announced the next World of Warcraft expansion titled Dragonflight. The upcoming expansion was revealed in a live stream on Tuesday, April 19th, which was also used to announce World of Warcraft Lich King Classic. Did I say that right? Or is it Leech King? I don't Lich know. King. Lich King Classic. I said it right the first time. I shouldn't have doubted myself. Among other features, Dragonflight will introduce World of, Cra- World of Warcraft's first ever combination race and class. The Drakthir Evokers. It seems kind of cool. Like you're going to have like a human and dragon form mm. that you like. Because yeah, like that you the uh, Drakthir are they they are the like the, what is it called aspect? Like you have a human aspect or like a humanoid aspect, and then you're you're I mean you're essentially a dragon, but you play as the human aspect. Yeah, I mean that that sounds kind of neat actually. Um, That's pretty cool. I mean not. Not going to get me playing World of Warcraft. I mean, it's kind of... They already like did that, that with uh, another race. The uh, I don't know what they're called, but they're essentially werewolves. So you can play as a human or as a werewolf, and you can kind of switch between ah. the two, depending. Cool. All right. Um, no release date for Dragonflight was given alongside the announcement, but Lich King Classic is due to arrive later this year. So I was watching My this kid. announcement... And they were talking about the Lich King Classic, and they're like, oh, and we're going to add this in Lich King Classic, and this. Like, yeah, I know. I heard all of this back in 2007 when you announced it. Like, like, by the way, we're adding Inscription. I'm like, yeah, I know that's when Lich King was whenever you, you added Inscription. 
it's just funny how they're like going back. This is what we've added in the cloud. Like, yeah, we know. <laughs> we've played the game. That's, it's that's it's funny. funny. Um, and also, you didn't have it here, but they are doing uh, cross-faction play, which has never been done. So, like, you could play with a horde if you're an alliance or vice versa. And I mm. think they're doing that mainly because... Player counts. That and servers kind of favor one side or the other. So, like, you could have a huge amount of Horde people and not as many Alliance guys. And so it's kind of, like, hard to, like, kind of get groups together. And they're already kind of doing it in PvP where you they would put Horde on an Alliance side. It just kind of balance things out. Because otherwise, if you're on Alliance and you queue for PvP, you're going to be in that queue forever. So I think mm. this is just a final step into, like, helping the... Uh, players as far as like getting groups together and just filling out their their raids and all that interesting yep it's uh i think it's probably much needed for world of you have no idea yeah it's really bad (laughs) (laughs) all right number five 2k games and gearbox have announced a sequel to 2014's tales from the borderlands unfortunately there's very little information available right now other than it's a quote all new tales from the borderlands uh, and it's due out sometime this year. It was given a 2022 release window. Uh, I don't even know if like the new Tale version of Telltale is making this. Mm. Um, but I really liked the first Tales from the Borderlands, mm. so I'm excited to see what they're. I, I I'm not even like a huge Borderlands fan, but I really enjoyed that particular game. So cool. We'll see what they they come up with it. Also, little known fact: uh, first game I ever platinumed was Tales from the Borderlands, uh, simply really? because. You get the platinum just for finishing the game. Oh, so, okay then. <laughs> super easy. All right, number six, Square Enix's looter shooter Outriders is being treated to a huge expansion named World Slayer that introduces a new campaign, tons of new gear, a level cap increase, and more in-game com- content on June thirtieth, twenty twenty-two. I'm not gonna lie, I completely Future forgot still- that game existed. <laughs> yeah i kind of had to but you know this is pretty neat apparently um you know they'll provide you with a a level boost Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to play the first game if you just want to jump in and try world slayer um they'll level boost you right up to be able to play that new campaign awesome um as is fairly common in these kinds of games all right number seven sonic origins the compilation collection of sega genesis classics will officially release June 23rd. The core game will cost $39.99 and will include Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sonic CD, and Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Knuckles. Cool. So, there you go. I was pretty um, I was pretty intrigued by this. I'd been thinking about buying the Sega Genesis Classics um, on, on the PlayStation Store just so I could play Sonic 1 and 2 again because the movie just came out and I was kind of thinking about right. it. And I liked Sonic as a kid, but this is better. It's got all three of them and they're kind of, you know, redone a little mm. bit. Um, so I'll pick this up when it comes out. Finally, this one is for all you dads out there looking for kids for your games. Cal the Kangaroo is back. I will admit that I do not actually remember this one, but Cal made his debut back in the Sega Dreamcast era before getting three sequels. This is your typical 3D mascot platformer, which means plenty of wide open levels, colorful locales, and probably a bunch of collectibles to find. This reboot will launch May 27th and cost $29.99. 
think like a Spyro the Dragon type game. Um, might be for your kids out there. All right, Mike, that's got, all of the game announcements that I have. I got one kind of like random question for you involving games. What is the most obscure game you remember playing as a kid? Like one that you think that wasn't popular, but you enjoyed the shit out of it. Wasn't popular, but that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. All right. This one is actually, this one is legit obscure okay. as hell. Uh, there was a game on the original Xbox uh, called Racing Evolution. It was with a Z. Uh, weird title, Racing Evolution. Mm-hmm. And in this game, you like started your own like car factory mm-hmm. and built it up. And you designed your own cars and then you raced them. And as your team won races, your factory got more money and more sponsorships and you, you could like build your factory out. So like it was kind of like a building sim, mm-hmm. but also a racing game at the same time. And, uh, you got to decide which new cars your research and development team were going to design and build. And eventually you had this massive factory with, you know, uh, basically you were like a Ferrari uh, uh, on the world scene. And meanwhile, you would go and run races and you would win races in your cars that your team designed. <laughs> that um, sounds fun as hell. I, I love the <laughs> shit out of that game. I thought it was great. Uh, it never got a sequel. It never came back. Um, but I thought it was really dope. It was a original Xbox game. Okay. Uh, yeah. And the joke... The joke, sorry, real quick. The joke between between Dad and I was always one of the cars that you could choose um, to build or design was called the Swagger Nerve, <laughs> uh, or Swagger Nerve, I guess. Mm. Uh, Swagger Nerve, I guess, is what they meant for you to call it. But we always joked and called it the the Schwager Nerve, <laughs> <laughs> like we were a German car right. manufacturer. Oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, yeah. definitely heard it, haven't heard of it, but man, that sounds like fun as hell to play. Yeah, um, yeah, there you go. What I played was this game. I'm gonna lead you in messenger. It's called Earthworm Jim. Have you ever played that? I actually have played Earthworm yeah, Jim. My first time playing was on Genesis, and then I just kind of like okay. forgot about it, and I just kind of stumbled across it as I was looking up for looking up that um, Rage game. I'm like holy shit, Earthworm Jim. Mm-hmm. Probably they've made a few more games. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I definitely didn't play it on Genesis. I played it. I played one of the future iterations of it. But yeah, I have actually played Earthworm. Oh, right on. It was so fun. Like, I remember uh, mom got it for me one time. And I'm like, what the hell is this game? And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like it. So I plugged it in. Dude, I did not stop playing it. Like, I played it until it was bloodshot in the eyes. I seem to recall that it was kind of like... Um, at least the Earthworm Jim game that I mm-hmm. played was uh sort of uh what was that game Angry Birds? It was like Angry Birds, but before Angry Birds ever came out. Okay, see, but maybe what the weird version I played was kind of like a platformer. Okay, yeah. all right, yeah. So I mean, it was probably just a spinoff mm-hmm. of Earthworm Jim. All right, uh, all right, free games, um. PlayStation Plus April games are still out there. Uh, not too much time left to grab those. Hood Outlaws and Legends, Slay the Spire and SpongeBob SquarePants, Battle for Bikini Bottom. Crappy Xbox games of gold are out there if you want to grab those. <laughs> um, 
And then also your epic, uh, your next uh, free epic games have been announced. Paradigm and Just Die Already uh, are the games that will be available from April 28th until May 5th. Until then, Amnesia Rebirth and River Bond oh, are I still available. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, and then the next round of Game Pass announcements have been have been um, put out there. So F1 2021 is coming to Cloud Play. Uh, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remastered also coming to Cloud Play. <clears throat> Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. <laughs> coming to Cloud Console and PC. Uh, and then also uh, before the end of April, you'll get Seven Days to Die. Research and destroy bug snacks, as we talked about last week, and unsold. Um, leaving the service soon is Cricket 19, Outlast 2, Secret Neighbor, and Streets of Rage 4. Uh, if you haven't played Streets of Rage 4, I highly recommend it. It's like a four-hour game. You could do it like all in one night. Uh, Adam and I actually did it together on stream. It's really fun, uh, Streets of Rage 4. Um, think like your old-school beat-em-up style, you know, teenage, teenage mutant. Yeah, like Ninja Turtles. Um, so pretty fun little game. Go check it out before it leaves the service. All right. Uh, that's it. That's all I've got for the show, Mike. Anything else before we get out of here? No, man. Let's get the hell out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. I hope you're up for a little bit of Rocket League. I really want to try some. Let's get on out of the show and uh, and see what we can Let's do. Because. Yeah, I got I got cut off last night, so I need some I need some rocket late time. <laughs> All right, thank you everyone for listening here to this 96th episode. 96, 92nd. I'm getting ahead of myself in time. This is the 92nd episode of the TriCast Gaming Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Remember, like, subscribe, review on your podcasting app of choice. And if you have any questions for the show, DM us on Twitter or Facebook. The show will be back again next Friday with episode number three. We march on to the big 100. Have a great weekend. Stay safe and game hard.